Hello? Hello? Hello. Can you hear hey, me? Hey, how's it going, man? All right. You about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great, actually. Uh, getting ready to actually start my day. You know, I got a couple trips to, like, Costco and Ross I got to make, and then uh, I'll be working out later, actually. Look, good stuff. All right, so as you can hear, I've got a guest. I've got, uh, I hope I get this right, Luis Antonio Pena. Pena? Pena. 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 Sorry. A.K.A. Oh, no, Violent Bob Ross. Loving the nickname. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. One of the questions on social media that I've been asked is, uh, how did you get the nickname or who gave you the nickname? All right. So, uh, it's funny. I've actually been compared to Bob Ross before when I started growing my hair out two years ago. But uh, I was actually, last year, I was getting ready for my last fight before I got into the Tough House. And uh, it was actually on Flow Combat. Flow Combat tweeted out a picture uh, of me to promote the fight. And one of the fans commented, um, when did Bob Ross's son start fighting? And <laughs> from there, I think one of the uh, the writers at Flow Combat was like, no, no, that's not Bob Ross's son. That's violent Bob Ross. And from, it just kind of stuck from there. Good stuff. It's, it's always good to have a nickname, <laughs> especially when there's violence in the name and that's your job. Exactly. And it's also like, a, it's one of those things where it just, it fits so perfectly. Like, other than just the look, I feel like uh, if you watch me fight, you know, it's, I'm very calm out there. I'm very collected. I never really let things, whatever happens in the cage, get to me. You know, I, uh, I'm always trying to, you know, paint a masterpiece. Yeah. You're trying to entertain as well as as fight as winning the fight. Exactly. So, right, we'll stick with social media. But first, I've got a question from my mum. Well, uh, the reason I got into watching the Ultimate Fighter uh, from the USC MMA in general was the Ultimate Fighter. I absolutely fell in love with it. And my mum actually watched the first series with me. And my mum hates fighting, absolutely hates it. Um, and she wants to know, what does your mum think of it? <laughs> so that's actually uh, really interesting. I'm adopted, so I have two moms. Yeah, today. I did find that out. Um, I watched yeah. an interview when you did a phone call with, I can't remember who it was with, um, and they actually said about that. And I was listening to it, and uh, when my mum asked me that, I was like, oh, he's got two. And she was like, what? And my mum and my partner said to me, what, he's got two moms? I said, Yeah. <laughs> so it's not unheard of <laughs> i know right i mean in this day and age it's definitely not unheard of yeah and well obviously i heard that your uh your biological mom's in the navy is it yes she's a master chief in the navy that's impressive yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting my adopted mom is actually very supportive of me she's probably one of if not my biggest fan uh unfortunately she has she's only been able to make it to one fight just because We've always kind of lived uh, on opposite sides of the country since I was in high school. But, uh, yeah, she's super, super supportive. My biological mom, honestly, I think she just hates the idea of me going out there and fighting another man. Yeah, like, well, uh, I trained she's, for uh, two years, and my mom, she actually hated it. And uh, I ended up with a black eye once. And it wasn't even like I never had a swollen eye or anything. I, I literally had – it was a slight bit of brown and purple on my underneath my eyelid – and a bloodshot eye, which you can get from anything. And my mum, ah, you need to stop it. You need to stop it. So, and that was just training. <laughs> so I can imagine what it's like doing it professionally. Like you said, going in there against another man and then watching it. So 
Oh, yeah. You should have seen my mom, uh, my adopted mom's reaction. Uh, my last fight before I got in the tough house, I actually fractured my orbital and sustained like a really, really bad concussion. My mom was like freaking out from seeing all the pictures of me like because like half of my face is just black and blue oh i can imagine that went well with the orange beard and the hair oh yeah it was uh i was i, I actually i look like a picasso painter. <laughs> i was gonna say but yeah i bet you had a bit of a colorful face <laughs> yeah so i'll carry on with the social the the questions off social media i know you've seen a few of them so at mark bell 2009 says uh what would you walk around at and i presume he's on about weight size yeah yeah well weight um so uh I, I get that question a lot um when i'm not like training in when i'm not like in training camp for a fight i can get up to about 175 up to about 177 i never get i've honestly never seen 180 pounds on the scale before um and when i'm in camp i can get I usually stay around 165 to 168, but on certain days, depending on how it is, like there have been days in camp where I've ended practice at 158. So it's not much, not far off of what you fight at then. No, not at all. I uh, I honestly would rather you know be uh, fighting closer to what I normally walk around at because I feel uh, way more comfortable there. I've never had a like big um uh strength disparity in any of my fights at 155 and i always feel as though i have the better gas tank because i don't cut so uh do you find uh weight cuts easy or like you said obviously you stay in and around that sort of weight so do you find them easy when you ha- when you do them is it or you do you try and make sure oh. that you're uh obviously closer to it so it's a bit easier oh no my weight cuts are are insanely easy um it's it's honestly not barely even a cut i i mean most of the time i cut five pounds the day of weigh-ins before i go in but uh and, and that's nothing you know what i mean like that's just water sweat but uh i remember actually my third professional fight um i was fighting for valor fights uh i we me and my teammates, I had, I brought two teammates, Lucas Clay and Court Romeus with me to corner me. And, um, we were, we had had dinner the night before. I, I barely ate anything, but I had drank a little bit of water and they were a little worried, but I was like, oh man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And so we wake up, I check my weight and I'm like, oh shit on the scale. I'm 165. And like in a couple hours, I got to weigh 155. And they asked me like, Hey, How's the weight? I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm 160. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. I still made it. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of the things that's that's recurring in uh, mixed martial arts at the minute is people missing weight. And obviously, uh, Mackenzie Dern yesterday, oh, Friday, sorry, didn't just miss it by a little bit. Missed it by like seven pounds, which is almost a different weight class. Yeah, that that is a root. That's kind of ridiculous to me, um, especially it's different because, you know, seven pounds is just so much and she wasn't sucked down at all. She, you could tell like she really didn't. It looked like she really didn't even attempt to cut, in my opinion. And well, then, she, yeah, she said that uh, Well, it's come out afterwards that she uh, chose nightclubbing and eating out over cutting weight. 
You're kidding me. I had never no. I I'd never even heard that. Yeah, it came out Saturday morning or something like that. Or or this morning it might have been. Yeah, it might have been early hours this morning. Um that she did that she said that she picked eating out with her friends and not, going out nightclubbing and drinking more than going to the gym or weight cutting. Oh my god. But then obviously it's come out later on today. Obviously we're at a time difference, so it might have been morning when it was <laughs> when it came over, yeah. over, over there. But um yeah, that she's uh she wasn't a pu- uh, amused or she's uh, sorry for not making it and uh, the UFC wanted to go up weight. But she oh, wants if, to stay where she is. If I was an executive in the UFC, I'd cut her. Oh, yeah, that's another thing, obviously. You've got people that have been cut for not accepting a fight, yet this is the third time out of seven professional fights she's missed weight. That's over a half of her pro, almost half of her pro career that she's missed weight. Not only that, but she's openly coming out and saying that she doesn't care about the sport, essentially. Like, nah, if, if you don't care that much, then you don't deserve the spot, in my opinion. Yeah, it's sort of a slap in the face to these other athletes that bust their nut, pass out in a, in a sauna and stuff like that, that Ex- could do everything to make weight and miss it by a couple of ounces that don't get to fight. Yeah, she's committed seven pounds over and has still been allowed to fight and still kept a contract. Exactly, and then she only... She only missed thirty percent of her purse. Yeah, that's another ridiculous thing. That's well, to, to be fair, it's it's gone up. Normally, it's only around twenty, isn't it? Um, the yeah. ones I've seen before, it's twenty percent of your uh, your bonus or your purse. So for her to get thirty, if that was me, I'd have stripped her of fifty because now um, the girl she fought's got a loss on her record. It's if she was an undefeated fighter on a on a tear and they were going for like a number one contender spot, she's lost her perfect record, and maybe a chance exactly. at uh, a title that she could have won because someone exactly. couldn't be bothered to go to the gym. In, uh, in my opinion, I think the way they should do this is it should be a flat. So if you miss by one pound or under, that's a flat 10% of your purse already gone. And every pound after uh, – or every like – Every pound after one, that's uh, another 10%. But, like, say you go, you miss by, like, 1.2, 1.5. Sorry, that's 20%. Yeah. And then if you if you miss by 10 or more, and that's your entire paycheck, dude, that's on you. That's yeah. your job. As a, so as professional athletes. Fight, fight for free, then that's on you. Yeah, as professional athletes, opinion. it's kind of, it is your job. Um if you're not going to make weight, then fight in a different division. Uh, it's happened exactly. with a few fighters before. It happened with Rumble Johnson. He couldn't make 185. And he ended up getting cut and left the UFC and then went back, took some time off, and then went to another organization. And then his coaching staff and his nutritionist and stuff said, look, you're, you're putting your body through absolute torture. To get to 185, how about you just go up to 205? And he went up to 205 and absolutely tore through the division. Exactly. So, but yeah, I've, I've read somewhere. And, that, and look um, at uh, look at Dos Anjos. I mean, he never had uh, trouble, you know, missing weight or anything. But he goes up from uh, fifty five to seventy, and he's already back in title contention. You know? Yeah, it's it's something that needs to be a bit smarter with what they're doing with, so to speak, helping fighters a bit more. Um, I think USADA are trying to do something, though, because they're trying to implement that you can only cut a certain amount of what you... You can only be over a certain amount of what you're actually fighting at. So if you fight at 170, 170 
you can't go anything over 182.5 or something like that. Yeah, I've heard about that. I know, like, I think California implements a, a system like that. And I, I know Ohio implements a system like that as well here in the States. Yeah, see, to me, I think that's good because obviously you had people before that, like, I use this example all the time because I just think it's absolutely crazy. Is Anderson Silver when he fought at 185, he'd weigh in at 185. And then he'd go back and sit in a hotel on a drip for three hours to go back up to two twenty, two thirty. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Did you know? I, I, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. When he, I thought I was getting, I, I thought I, uh, I, I thought I put on a lot of weight when I walk in the cage at like one seventy one. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I think it was who did he fight at two o five? Well, he fought someone at two o five, and he said it was easy because he used to walk around between two twenty and two thirty, and then someone James. asked. Carry on. Would he fought James Irvin? Yeah, it might have been. And someone said to him, "It's e-, he said, it's easy for me. He said, because I walk around at 220 or 230. And everyone's like, well, why are you fighting at 185? He says, that's like almost 50 pounds you're cutting. Like, in the space of 12 <laughs> weeks. I know it's still 12 weeks, but that's a lot of weight to cut. And yet, when he does it in Brazil, I don't think... I think when uh, USADA had clicked onto it, that he wasn't allowed to do it anymore. They stopped him from doing it. But when he fought in Brazil, yeah, that's what he was allowed to do. He used to sit on a drip for a couple of hours to put all the weight that he was back on. I also think there's a huge misconception about, um, like, the way fighters lose weight during camp. It's not, like, this whole drastic thing throughout the whole camp. Because, like, for me... Like, if I get really, really big before I go into camp, like, let's say at my biggest I've been, like, 178. Like, let's say I I start my camp at 178. About two weeks into that, I'm going to be naturally down to about 165, you know, sometimes, like, maybe even, like, 163. So, like, it's not as though these guys are starting these camps, you know, at these exorbitant, like, 230 and then – they're staying the whole camp at 2.30 and then the, you know, two weeks out from the fight, they're cutting down from 2.30 to that. By the time, you know, Silva's probably starting his, his camp 2.20, 2.30, but by the time it's actually time to start that weight cut, like two weeks out, I would imagine he is around 200 to 195. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a massive, and, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But like, those are, but at the same time, those are the hardest pounds to cut. Those are the last, you know, that's the last, the, the home stretch. Yeah, it's like anything when you die. And obviously, if you start off bigger, you start off at 18, well, I'll do it for pounds. Uh, yeah, say if you started off at maybe 320 pounds, your first 100 pounds is going to be easy enough to get out. But if your goal's 200 pounds, instead of being 320, then last 20 pounds to get down to that 200 are going to be the killer. It's always the last two or three pounds that are the hard, hardest because you got to push yourself more. Exactly. And obviously it's at the end of your weight cut where you've got nothing left sort of to give out because your body's gave out so much bad stuff already, whether it be waters, fat, sugars, or salts. And then you're trying to almost scrape blood out of yourself to try and lose the extra couple. Oh man. I remember um, the only time I made 145, I just like they literally had to carry me out of the bathtub to get to the scale. It was ridiculous. That's uh, that's a weird one for me when people uh, cut weight in a bath. Um, but uh, you use some sort of salts and stuff as well, don't you? 
Yeah, what so what they had me doing is I would you use Epsom salt and uh this wintergreen spearmint alcohol, rubbing alcohol. And I don't know wh- what it is about the co- combination of that and really 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 hot water that just sucks all the the uh moisture out of your skin, but it does it. Yeah, I've seen I've had a lot of guys doing it and then obviously uh the guys in the UFC and other organizations post that uh they're they sat in a bath and People have slipped in the bath and banged the head. I think a UFC yeah. fighter not long ago slipped in a bath and banged his head and got concussion, and he wasn't allowed to fight. Uh, and I was Burrell. like, "What's he doing in a bath?" <laughs> yeah, Burrell. Yeah, uh, oh, that was it. Yeah, didn't he? Th- that was him, right? Yeah, he uh, like slipped and was out of the fight. Yeah. Right. I'll get back to social media questions. I've got a few to go through. Uh, oh, this one's from Mark Bell, two thousand and nine. Again, I'm loving that Twitter name. <laughs> um when do you think you'll get your shot before the summer or after the summer um we're uh we're negotiating all that right now and i'm thinking it'll probably be sometime during the summer good stuff um it's uh well i'm not Hopefully. too sure when the se- the the seasons are in america because some different parts of it class the summer as different times obviously oh, like yeah. college students and stuff but yeah um this one's from a pro MMA fighter in the UK. He lives not too far from me. Scott Butters. Uh, who do you think will win the show? Obviously, you can't give away too much. <laughs> and uh, We spoke about that, but uh, who do you think will win it? Um, it's a good question. Honestly, I can't say. There's so <laughs> much good talent in this show on this season. It's a toss-up. How do you like that politically correct answer? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, on that question, I think you know these guys. One of them actually tried out for the the series that you were on. Uh, Tom Mins. Oh yeah, Tom. I love Tom. Yeah. Well, I done a podcast with him not long ago, and uh, yeah, his uh, brother. Funny story. Tom and I actually went out to um, Red Rock Canyon at tryouts, and then we went to Fremont Street and the Hoover Dam. Me, him, T.J. Britton, and uh, my girlfriend at the time. Lovely. Well, his brother Richard asked a question. Do you think Tom could have beat the featherweight class on this season? Man, I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie. The uh, I think Tom would have done really well. Uh, I think he could have uh, beat any of the guys, uh, or he I think he could have competed with any of the guys on the show. He could have won any of those fights. But the guys on the show at 145 this season were some killers. Um, Big shout out, in my opinion, one of the uh, the best guys I've seen um, with my own eyes, Brad Katona, super, super impressive fighter. Uh, I think he's got a super bright future ahead of him. I honestly think he's probably one of, if not the most underrated guy on the show. Good stuff. Right, this is another question from Scott Butters. Uh, how do you think you'll fit into the UFC roster? Man, that's a great question, actually. Um, I haven't really thought about that. I would like, honestly, to um, to be able to work my way up, uh, up the ladder at a gradual pace so that I'm not just thrown to the wolves before I'm ready. But if at the same time, if they feel like I'm ready to fight um, better guys, then by all means, bring, it, bring on the challenge. Um, 
I hope to uh, essentially be their next superstar. Well, I've got you down as one of them. You're one of my picks for the future. It's I appreciate that, for man. everything that. Don't say this the wrong way, but everything that the UFC looks for, as in characters, mentality, passion of the sport, uh, not caring who's put in front of them, and obviously just trying to make up for it, you seem to take all the boxes of what they what they look for in a what they call a superstar. I appreciate that, man. Like, uh, no, I, I, I actually take, I, I see that as a compliment, you know, um, everyone's always going to talk. Everyone's always going to say, Oh, you know, this kid's only here because he's got crazy hair and a, a good nickname. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you watch me fight, I have skill. I can fight. Like, well, I, I've seen it, you it's pin nothing tweet. off this, you know, I was going to say, it's no, no sweat off my back because I know I have the ability to go out there to perform and I will every time. Yeah, well, I've seen your pinned tweet on Twitter, and uh, is that a K1 fight that you had? Yeah, yeah, it was my uh, professional he, K1 debut. Then these are nasty, and uh, I'm surprised the guy actually stayed up from the first one because he sort of took a couple of steps back on that one and thought to himself, That actually Shit, caught him am in the I, chest. Yeah, I seen that, but it's still the steps back. He sort of, I think <laughs> the, the little thing in his head sort of went like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that's honestly that probably was exactly what went off in his mind because I remember the reason I threw that switch knee falling up is I saw his eyes got so big, like you could see the white around his entire um iris, and I just he just stared at my left knee the whole time, and I was oh man, you really think that one's coming? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed with that one. Like the first one, I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I was like, "Oh shit!" Again. <laughs> it's funny, like uh, you know, flying knees are actually something I practice literally like every day. They're always good to have in the arsenal, especially after the finishes that happened this weekend, with spinning head kicks and stuff like that, exactly. and Leo Machado's kick. <sighs> that was crazy. If uh, Vitor Belfort was carrying on, he should put out a tweet saying. I'm going to practice defending switch front kicks. <laughs> Man, I, uh, I remember, like, I, I didn't see the – because I was at Bellator uh, 199 last yeah. night, actually. Um, and there were some good finishes the there fight. as well. Oh, dude, was great fights last night, actually. Um, although, I'm not going to lie. I was really – I love Paul Daly. He's probably one of my favorite UK fighters. I was really entertained by him talking shit in the middle of <laughs> I actually the seen that, that a little while ago and I was like what's he yeah. doing I was like dude that's hilarious like as as terrible as that is and like as you know as much as he was just getting wrestle fucked like to me that's fucking hilarious that he would just do <laughs> his own right, fight dude. yeah in his own fight just start talking mad shit <laughs> Right, so one of the other questions I've got off social media, one of my good friends and one of my old training partners, he's still at it, um, Jake Smith. He's asked, uh, oh, well, you've answered it, but who came up with a nickname? So, obviously, it was uh, Flow Combat that yeah, come well, up with it. Got to give those guys, yeah, got to give them a, uh, a shout out. All right, I've got another one off Twitter from a guy called Eric, at FishyBass97. These Twitter names just get better and better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these Dude. are hilarious. <laughs> Dude, MMA fans do have some of the best Twitter handles, I got to say. Um, what's your walkout song for the tough final? Ooh, see, I you, I like to keep that one, the, the my walkout song, close to chest. Like, I, I, like to, I like that to be something, like, people are just like, why the hell is this guy walking after that? <laughs> um... 
Honestly, though, I'll uh, I'll probably uh, I'll, I'll give that away. My plan is to walk out to the Electric Boogie by uh, um, fuck, what what's her name? It's not um, but it's the electric the Electric Slide. You know the oh, song yeah. the Electric Slide. Yeah, that's probably gonna be my walkout song for the finale. Good stuff. See, people don't think that the walkout song has much to do with a fighter, but it could set the tone for the whole fight. Because I mean. If you're someone like Brock Lesnar, but coming out to someone like George Michael, it, it's going to throw people off. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For me, it's not even like, I just like listening to good music before I go out there and fight someone. Yeah, so. Like I my, uh, my last walkout song was Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Yeah. So, uh, when, uh, I forgot what I was going to say that. Sorry, my phone just went off. I'll go on a different I'll question it. and I'll come back when it's got to me. Yeah, so. Gonna get back to the Ultimate Fighter. Like I said, uh, it's what made me fall in love with the show. How was it even being selected for it? Obviously, yeah, there's a long process that goes to it to to get into the actual house. But once you're selected, I bet that made you feel like a million bucks. Oh man, you have no clue. I uh, I was actually getting done training, and I got a text message from my manager that was like, "Hey." You're in the house. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you mean like I'm not an alternate? Like he was like, no, you're in. And I was like, oh, I, like I just started screaming and jumping up and going crazy. Like everyone's like, what's what's going on, Luis? And I'm like, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it, it. I bet you like you just want to explode when you get news like that. Like you said, and obviously with what's actually happened on the show already and it's not been aired yet and then. People are like, oh, what's this happening? What's this happening? And like, you just walk around with a gag or like tape your mouth up or stitch it up because you just can't say anything, but you want to just tell everyone everything. Oh, I know. It's, it's so, it was so hard coming back because like, you know, I've got coaches, I've got teammates. I just, you want to tell all of your, your closest friends and family, like what happened, what happened, but you know, you can't, the way it is. Maybe they should introduce it then until they're finished filming it and sorting it all out and recording it and stuff. Maybe we should keep you guys in the house until it's all aired. Just keep you in there for like 24 weeks. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if we could do that. No. Well, that was one of my questions as well. Obviously, is it 16 weeks you're in there? No. We were in there for like seven. Seven. They've, they've done them Six longer before, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I so... think the original Ultimate Fighter was like 16 weeks. Yeah. And because uh, that was sort of Donna's line, wasn't it? So, so you want to be a fucking fighter? This is going to be the hardest thing in your life. I wait for exactly. that every episode. That that's that, that's when you know it's about to go down, and you've got a series to watch. <laughs> when that line comes out from Donna White, but yeah, how was it like mentally preparing yourself to? Obviously, a lot of the guys make some of them make huge sacrifices. I've seen a a clip from one of them in. Uh, the guy got really emotional because he's like, oh, I've got no money in the changing room. I think he was on uh, Team Miocic. And oh, uh, yeah. he obviously you sacrificed a lot to get there. Um, if you had to sacrifice, what was it? And how hard is it for you to be away for that amount of time, obviously, because you've still got to get paid? Well, uh, for me, uh, I sacrificed a lot, you know, Um just to get to a position to where I could even be selected for the show, uh, back in like 2015, I packed up my car 
and moved from Little Rock, Arkansas to St. Louis, Missouri to uh, train and, you know, start and really, really go after like this uh, fighting, like my career, really make something of it. And uh, during that time, for like three years, I had been living in a closet in my gym, like completely away from anybody that I ever knew. I had no family, no friends in Missouri. I was oh completely alone training at this gym. Um, and like everyone, they just took me in, treated me like family. It was great. But um, like just sacrificing all of my like comfort and luxury, my time with my friends, my time with my family, because like during the, the time, that I moved from St. Louis to now, I like, I don't get the chance to really go out that much. I don't get like, I'm not hanging out with friends. I'm not, you know, fucking off going and drinking beers every night or something. Like I just don't have that luxury because there's no one around me to do it with. I just, all I can do is train. You know what I mean? So in a sense, you've sacrificed a lot, but it's for the better for yourself. Like you 100% focused on this. Whereas some guys that go in there, not like disrespecting them, but they're half-assed with it because they they go back to their families and stuff like that. Even when they finish the show, even if they get to the semis or the final, and then they're offered a contract afterwards, they just don't seem to be in it because they've obviously gone back to this. But obviously, you're one hundred percent focused on fighting because, like oh, you yeah. said, you've got no one else around there. You've got no friends or anything like that, so you're not going out drinking and stuff. So your 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 whole dedication of moving was to fight. And train exactly like right now i'm actually uh in uh santa rosa california uh training at aka uh for the summer you know doing the exact same thing essentially putting myself in a position where i don't really know anybody except for my training partners so all i can do is train as hard as i possibly can and i suppose if you're getting the support from them obviously they know your situation with being there with no one they're not going to say and, you, and obviously, were you focused on just fighting and training? They're going to be like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's go for a beer or let's go, let's go out to eat when they know you're in such a strict training camp there. They're going to stick with you. They're going to support you as well. So that must be really good as well. Exactly. You know, it, it's, a, it's great. It's a great environment to be in. I, I actually love it out here. It's, uh, it's been uh, an amazing experience. I've only really been here for three days, and I have a whole summer ahead of me. <laughs> well, on the subject of you packing your car up and cars and traveling, I found a little story about you that not many people, I'm not sure many people in the UK or anywhere else will know. You had a car accident, didn't you? Yeah, that's a, the, <laughs> the crazy, dude, I had this crazy, crazy car accident. This is the summer of 2016. I was in Miami, Florida, uh, training at American Top Team in Coconut Creek. And um, I was actually late for practice and I'm speeding down the highway. I was going like 10 over and I'm in the center lane. And as I go to merge to the far left lane, which is the fast lane here in. Um, yeah, we're on the right here. In, yeah, <laughs> in, uh, in America. Um, my back left tire like blew out and that sent the back end of my car into the air and when the when my car like when the back end finally like touched the ground again my car started fishtailing and like i'm trying to control it i'm trying to control it and then out of nowhere the car just jerked into the left side guardrail which popped it up into the air and like i started rolling my car 
and we roll. I rolled all the way into the right side guardrail, and I stuck the uh, the car so far into the guardrail that they had to. The first responders had to use the jaws of life to cut the guardrail uh, out of the rest of it, uh, uh, like the rest of the piece of the guardrail. And um, all, while all of this is going on, like I'm rolling in the air, like f- doing flips and everything. I was like, never lost consciousness, and I never took like a scratch. Holy like, shit! I remember, <laughs> I'm, I remember at one point I'm upside down, like rolling through, and I just like accepted the fact that here I'm like, fit, like I was like, at any moment, everything's gonna go black, and I'm not gonna like be alive. I'm gonna die. I'm just. I was thinking like, oh my god, like today was the last time that I woke up and I'm gonna see or like talk to my mom again or like see my little sister. And I'm, I'm sitting like all this crazy stuff's going through my mind and I just close my eyes and I remember I open them and I'm upside down. And I'm like, what the hell? Everything had stopped. I'm looking around and I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like touching myself. I'm like trying to make sure I'm still alive. Like I pinched myself in the face. I'm like, holy shit, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. And like I kicked, I remember just kicking my window out and I'm crawling out and there's like a, a wall of cars with like all these people just sitting or uh, just standing there like looking and um, like I'm walking towards them and everyone's jaws are just dropping. And like, they're looking at me like I'm an alien. <laughs> Cause you've just survived a hor- horrific car accident where you probably shouldn't have survived. Are Not you- only did I, I shouldn't have survived. I'm like, I literally didn't come out of it with a scratch on me. Yeah. So uh, an accident that you shouldn't have survived. You've actually just kicked your window out and just walked towards these people that are like, man, this guy's dead. And then they see you. I was training that Monday. They see that you. happened on Saturday. They see you coming out of the car like you're a figure of Jesus or something. Like, oh my God, who is this guy? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, man. And like, they're, like, everyone just surrounded me. They're like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And they, like, everyone thought I was concussed. I'm like, dude, no, I'm a professional MMA fighter. I would know if I was concussed right now. <laughs> yeah. See, so, yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, with an, obviously, it's a bad experience, but. People could turn them around. Do you use that as in to push you? Like you, you were given a second chance, basically. Obviously, that you were given a second chance with no cuts, no bruises, and that you're still alive. Well, for me, it was just kind of like um, I don't know how to put it. It was like you get a second chance at life. It, uh, uh, you know, it, that's what it felt like, and. It's also kind of put things in perspective for me in a sense that, like, fighting has become very, very easy for me. I don't get that nervous anymore before I go, like, fight someone because, like, I've, I've kind of – I feel like in a way I've sort of stared death, like, face to face. And upside and down. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> upside down. So I'm like, after that, Staring at another man from across the cage for me and going to combat, it's not a really big deal. That's see, that's for me. That's crazy. Like I've been in a few car crashes, none where I've turned upside down and ended up upside down and in the middle of the road. But um, yeah, for you saying that, uh, it's you stared it in the face or things, so and now obviously it makes you. The person you are now, and from what you said at the start, where you're trying to create a masterpiece, so you're nice and calm and cool and collected, it, it makes you who you are, basically. So your fighting style, it's, it's helped in a way. 
Exactly. And it's it's like one of the craziest things to say because like how the hell can a car crash, you know, help you your fighting style, help you fight? And it's like I don't know, I can't explain it other than that's how it is. Yeah, you can go and work in a shop stacking shelves after something like that and enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. Right, so back onto you, you saying that you were cool, calm and collected and it's how you like to fight. From the episodes I've seen so far in the little clips, because I haven't managed to catch up just yet um, with all of them. But from what I've seen, the little clip you had, I see, well, this clip that I'm specifically on about, I've seen on Twitter. Someone posted this on social media. It was the clip of you talking to Donald White after he'd come out of the cage. First off, I'm loving the fact that you were sitting on a scooter. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, I wish they would have showed that. Like, like, they got me a little, like, knee scooter. And like I like the for the rest of the season, I'm just like scooting around. <laughs> I went, I literally went from being the slowest person in the room on crutches to being the fastest person the entire in the entire place. Yeah, so I see. This is one of the things I like about you. Um, not many people have this anymore because they they just seem pound signs and it's ruining the game. When you you pulled down a white obviously to the side and you said to him. You addressed him properly as well. You didn't just call him Danny. You said to him, Mr. White. And then you asked him for a word and he said to him, I just want one shot. And then what he said afterwards, obviously, the rest of this, the, these guys in here have just breathed a breath of fresh air that I'm now out of the competition. I just want one shot. And then he agreed to it. And then I seen your emotion afterwards. That's lost in this game. How was that? How, what were you, obviously, you, I could see how you reacted, but. For the people that might not have seen it, how was it for you for him to say, you've got a shot? For me, that was like, it, it made everything worth it because I, I'm sitting there. Uh, what people don't get is uh, they make it seem as though that happened like a week to week. I, that probably, the from the time that I learned that my foot was broken, that I was out of the competition, I think that was two or three days. So I went on literally the wildest emotional roller coaster I'd ever been on in my entire life from quite literally hitting like the highest high I've ever had. You know, I, I went out there, put on a spectacular performance in front of Dana White with the UFC gloves on, on the ultimate fighter. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the, the greatest thing I've ever done in my entire life. The greatest accomplishment I've ever accomplished. And then all of a sudden it's completely taken away from me. Like, yeah. By, and by nothing of anyone's doing, like it just happened. Just one of them things. And I remember, like it was one, like it was so hard to grasp. It was so hard to wrap my head around. And for those days leading up to the the next fight, until uh, until the, I was just, uh, it was hard for me. I was I was like a zombie, a ghost walking around the house. And then when I finally got my chance to, when I saw Dana again, I was like, this is my, like, I got to say something. I got to figure out a way to talk to him. And I, I just, I went up to him. I, you saw it, you know what I yeah. mean? I, I took my chance and uh, he said, he said what he said. So hopefully everything works out. Good stuff. I think we should have gone the other way first. Um, obviously you were injured. Uh, for the people who might not have seen it, I think it has been aired. I think it was series, uh, episode three here. Um, episode four. four. Uh, when they announced the, uh, the yeah, injury. so what actually happened? Uh, so in the in the fight in the first round, uh, I land a head kick on Jose with my foot, and I actually like it wrapped around 
and caught like the hardest part of like the side of his skull and it just like my uh it fractured the second metatarsal on my left foot and like you can like it's funny i didn't really feel it in the fight until i sat down in between the first and second round but you can see uh my movement slow down i start i stop kicking you know what i mean and uh I even told DC on that episode, he was like, you know, why, why'd you stop kicking? I was like, man, my foot just started hurting. And, um, yeah, that was it. It's funny though. That happened in the first, you wouldn't even really, uh, see it. Yeah. Cause, uh, like I've only just seen a, a couple of clips. Obviously when I, I messaged you yesterday and then you said, Jack, I was like, Oh my God, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like trying, uh, cause for me, this is still surreal. To, like you said, like when you when you met Dana White and everything like that, and then you got to the house. This is why I'm like every time I do a podcast with a fighter, whether they're an amateur to like yourself with the Ultimate Fighter, like for what shaped for me for the MMA world that I watch. I'm like a kid at Christmas, so I was like, shit, I've got to try and watch them. So I tried to watch them as mu- as many episodes as I could yesterday, but including family time and. Uh, with kids and stuff, oh, I uh, I was at a ballet and dancing class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little known fact: people probably don't know this. I used to be a cheerleader when I was in uh, high school. Oh, that's something I didn't find out. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah. When when I was in high school, I did like competition cheer, and that's actually proud like how I have all my athleticism. Good stuff. Yeah, you have to be quite flexible for stuff like that, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, it's like people say that gymnastics is bad for people and stuff. I, I know loads of profiles nah. and stuff that do gymnastics and yoga and stuff. It's not just for women. Exactly. Um, <laughs> whenever I have kids, my plan is to uh, get them into gymnastics before anything, whether they're boys or girls. Yeah. So back to these. What was it actually like meeting Donna White? Dude, it was pretty cool. I, I can't lie. Like, uh, It's one of those things you, you watch him. And you see him, you see all the news, and he seems like this, like, mythical figure. And then you <laughs> finally, like, see him, and you're like, man, he's just like a regular guy. And then you talk to him, he's like, he's just like a regular dude. He's a, he's a straight-talking guy. He doesn't take shit either. He's... I know. That's the one thing I do kind of like about Dana is he just doesn't, he doesn't take shit. You know what I mean? He, he's not, like, if you try to fuck with him, he's not going to take yeah. it. Yeah. So... Back the, obviously, you had a lot of emotion in the house as well. I've seen a little clip of you and Daniel Cormier going head to head with each other. <laughs> um, not sure what was too much of it, but uh, yeah, can you elaborate on what happened there? You had a little discussion with him. Yeah. Okay. So, um, a little backstory on this situation. I had actually hurt my hand my right hand rolling a week before I was supposed to go on the show and um, the glove we weren't allowed to bring any of our own gear and the gloves that they provided for us like curve your hand really weird and every time I would punch with like hit the mitts with those gloves I could kind of feel my bones the bones in my right hand shifting because like I had just like literally just messed it up and I, I told the producers like hey i'm not trying to let anyone know this but i really fucked i have like a really fucked up right hand and so i'm sitting there and dc was like i'm trying it wasn't that i was uh, i wasn't trying to go i was just trying to hit the pads a little lighter so that i wouldn't um necessarily like mess up my hand 
And DC was telling me to, like, smash, kept telling me, smash, I need you to smash those hits, smash, 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 like, you know, throw with more power. And I'm, I, and it's just, I finally got frustrated because I'd been telling him, like, yo, my hand is killing me. Like, I, I can't throw with power on my right side. And he, and like, I finally just got frustrated. It was like, yo, I can't throw with power with these gloves on. Yeah, he seemed to have uh, a few disputes with a few people. Like, obviously, he's an amazing athlete and he already coaches and stuff and he does the Olympic wrestling stuff but from the few episodes i've watched it seems a bit more standing back and then just shouting at the guys because uh, he had a dispute with someone else as well when they were rolling or, yeah when all the guys were rolling and uh, everyone was saying oh, slow down slow down and then the guy actually got up and was about to walk off and dc said to him look it's your fucking career or my- not mine he says i've already made my career and then the guy sort of took another couple of steps and then stopped and then thought yeah oh, shit, he's he's right here and then come back but he wasn't, so to speak, on the mats with you guys. He was like five or ten steps back from the match, just shouting. So, oh no, DC trained with us all the time. Like, oh yeah, he, I mean, like we, when that happened, he didn't see oh. like from well, well, what we've seen on the cameras. It might be different, obviously, when you were there, but to us, it looked like he was a couple of steps away from the mats and was just shouting. He was sort of like further away from what you guys were actually were, instead of like even being a bit closer to see what you were doing. Oh, no. he DC was there the whole – like, he, he was there, like, conducting practice like a coach the entire time. I, I It might have just made it seem like that through editing. Yeah. But, no, DC was on the mats with us every step of the way. What was it like meeting Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic, two of the baddest guys on the planet, or the two baddest guys on the planet? It was pretty cool. I've actually met Daniel Cormier before. Um, when he was getting ready for the 2008 Olympics, he came to uh, my old like club, uh, my old wrestling club in Arkansas, because our coach was the first four-time NCAA Division One national champion, Pat Smith, out of Oklahoma State, who was also an assistant coach for Oklahoma State when DC was there. And uh, him and Coleman Scott actually came to the uh, to to our club and trained for a little bit, and I, I got to meet him there. And during evaluations, he actually like pointed me out and remembered me. He he came up like he came up to me and said something. So that was really cool. And then Stipe, that was so hard being on being opposite of Stipe because or being on the opposing team is because Stipe is such a nice guy. Like, he looks like he's a, a really, he's a really monster, cool but he looks like the the gentle giant. I think that's what his oh, nickname really should is. be. Like, like his voice and everything's just, like, like but then like what he says with that deep voice is just like, man, you're like a teddy bear. <laughs> I know, right? Like every time it, it's it was so hard to dislike Stipe. But it was kind of funny seeing every time we would win. Dude, he he you can tell just how competitive he is because you could see it on his face how much he hated it. Yeah, because well, from the uh the angle that they've shown on the first one, obviously with the, the really fast uh, neck crank joke, like he sits there, case and he's just watching the guy, and straight away you know he's, he's like, "This guy's fucked up," like, and he just doesn't move, and then all of a sudden he's like, and uh, yeah, his coach is sat next to him, like, "Yeah, he's definitely out," <laughs> and like you could just tell by the look on his face, like he was just looking up, and obviously there's nothing you're completely helpless as a coach while you're watching, and. He just sort of sat there and he was like, oh, man, like, I can't even do anything about it. But you could tell inside. He was like, no. Exactly. No, no. That's the one thing uh, Stipe does a really good 
job of is like keeping keeping that in check because <coughs> he is super super passionate when it comes to winning and losing. And obviously, he's still a top guy and he's still a firefighter as well, which is oh, kudos yeah. to him. Dude, that's ridiculous! I can't believe he's a firefighter and the world heavyweight champion, <laughs> a firefighter by day and the baddest man on the planet by night. Exactly. <laughs> how, how would you tell someone that? Like, oh, what do you do for a job? Oh, I'm a firefighter. Any hobbies or interests? Uh, yeah, I'm just like the best heavyweight fighter in the world. <laughs> oh, okay. What gets me is like, how do like? I, I wonder if the people that save him know, or that he saves, like, know who he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like bragging in like a Facebook status or a tweet out. I've just had the the UFC heavyweight champion just save me from my house that's burnt down. Are you not upset about your house? No, I've just met the ultimate no. fighting champion. <laughs> but yeah. Stipe blessed me. Yeah. It's all that matters. Right. I could sit and chat for hours. You're such a down-to-earth guy, and it's rare to find in the game. So, a few more questions. Appreciate that, man. What's the end goal for 2018? Obviously, we've had a similar question with the roster. But yeah, what's the end goal for 2018? For me, the end goal for 2018 is to just uh, get signed to the UFC and have at least um, one to two more fights before the year's up. Good stuff. Right, I'm going to let you get on with your day. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out to chat. Um, you don't understand. When you messaged me back, it was like half 12 at night. And my girlfriend was like, you ain't going to sleep now, eh? And I was like, it's going to be so hard. <laughs> but yeah oh man that means so much oh. to me. I, I honestly appreciate you reaching out to me and asking me to do the podcast i love you know doing stuff like this it's uh it's just another way for me to interact with the fans and like get my name out there so it i really appreciate it right so yeah if you've got any sponsors teammates or anything like that you can shout them out now of course uh first i would love to thank my sponsors um Fuji BJJ, Koi CBD. Sorry about that. I was trying to let the smart, the uh, the tram go by before <laughs> I, I got that. But, of course, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Fuji BJJ, Koi CBD, Aviles Translations, LLC, and then Art Street Wheel and Tire, as well as Bad Boy uh, Brands. They just started supporting me, sending me gear and stuff. So, uh, check, you know, they're the greatest MMA brand of all time, in my opinion. I love Bad Boy. Um, and then I'd also, you know, I got to give a huge shout out to my gym back home, uh, St. Charles MMA and Arnold Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, all under the Team Vagi affiliation, as well as out here, American Kickboxing Academy, where I'll be training, and uh, Sanchez Boxing with Rosindo Sanchez, my main boxing coach out here. Good stuff. Right. I'm going to shout out a few people that support me as well. I'm going to shout out CD- CBD Life UK. Um, they've jumped on board and started supporting me with my podcast. If you go check their website out, um, and if you use promo code MONSTARS15, you get 15% off your first order. And uh, Ultimate Fighting Outlook. Yeah, if you go check them guys out, they do everything from wraps to tape to gloves to clothing, gum shields, the lot. Go check them out. And if you use uh, promo code Monsters MMA, you get 10% off your full order. And for one of my friends as well, who's just started his business. I'll post his link in the comments, but he does everything like garden cleanups, conservatories, repairs and cleaning and stuff like that. So I'll put that one in there. So, yeah, I'll thank you again for the chat and for taking the time out. I'll, I'm sure it's uh, 
nice weather in California right now, so I'll let you go and enjoy it. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Like once again, I, I appreciate you reaching out for me and wanting to do this. No worries, the pleasure's all mine, and uh, I'll be uh, looking out for you as well. And hopefully, we we'll see you on the tough final. Hopefully, man. Hopefully, man. You have a great day. And you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good one.